Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Bacon Warrior Podcast. On today's show, the boys and I talked about the controversy surrounding Harpers, the Washington football franchise, baseball coming back, the basketball bubble. Before we head on Kevin Wingington, and we talked about the hangover, our favorite scenes, quoted some lines, and we decided to do a little recast. Stay tuned. Here's Spartan Dog 97. Thanks, Spartan Dog 97. When I'm not mastering the art of website design, I'm Spartan Dog 97. I'm joined by the boys, Lucas and Brett. Guys, how we doing? Doing excellent. Yeah. Yeah, so a couple housekeeping things before I get started. Uh, we have a new website. Hell yeah. Uh, baconwire.com secured secured the bag. We're going to have, I'm going to be writing on it. We have Jack Williams, who just wrote an absolute banger of a piece yesterday. Just so goddamn funny. So good. Um, I'm so mad. I'm never going to be able to write anything that funny that isn't that doesn't involve Gretchen Whitmer stepping on me or anything. <laughs> Lucas wrote a couple pieces. We're going to have Zanjo write. It's it was it was a bitch. Like it was so it was so hard. Like it shouldn't have been that hard, but it was. So uh, go check it out, baconwire.com. If you listen to the pod, I assure you, you, you've probably checked out the website. But if you haven't, link, link in bio. So we have a few things to talk about today. Um, you know, we're on the cusp of the return of professional sports. And then uh, we're going to have Kevin Wington on. Uh, 2021 member of the 2021 recruiting class. We're going to talk about The Hangover, which is his favorite movie, and we're going to do a little recasting for it. So that'll be fun. But uh, first and foremost, guys, I want to talk about this Harper's thing. So mm. I don't know if you guys had seen this. Yeah. Yeah. But I might um, have to change my bar rankings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt Sheehan, friend of the pod, you know, said that he'd. He'd have to do some serious backpedaling. So uh, a Twitter user, Kara Weber, uh, she's an MSU student. She posted a series of stories from former employees at Harper's. Um, It's not clear if this is her or if she's collected them from other employees. It looks like to me that they're from various employees um, and it, it's just, it's just not good. Um, there's some of the highlights include the pop machine getting infested with ants. And when you would go to get like Coke or water, ants would come out of the soda machine. That was gross. They would hand the door guys a stack of fake IDs. So if the cop showed up, they had fake IDs to give them, but they weren't like actually that. confiscating IDs. Those were just IDs they had on hand. Um, those who have been to Harper's know if you wanted to go outside but come back in, you had to hand a door guy your ID, and they would take out the obviously fake IDs in case the cops came and asked for them. They would hand them that instead of, actually checking for IDs at the door. Um, You know, there are stories of door guys getting yelled at for turning someone away for having an obviously fake ID. Um, The cleaning 
is gross. You know, I worked at Harper's for a shift, a literal shift. And in that time, I worked four hours over what I was supposed to. Uh, was called a bitch for not doing a bump of coke. <laughs> and shout out. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't. Please don't. Please don't dox her. Very good boy. <laughs> Jordan Belford. Yeah. That's who we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about Jordan Belford. We're definitely not talking about an MSU Twitter user. Definitely friend, not. Friend of the pod, Jordan Belford. Exactly. Yep. And they talked about the cleaning lack of cleaning i actually witnessed this at my only shift the wait staff would literally throw rags on the floor and i like ice skate across the floor to clean up mm-hmm. so um not not great news for for the old for the old harp show fellas devastating well and like all that stuff is bad but some of the other revelations about them trying to turn away what they called the Lansing crowd. That was like actually appalling. I mean, kind of the cleaning, it's disgusting, but it's something you can laugh at. But them racially profiling bar goers and trying to change the music and limit the types of alcohol that are available to drive out people of a certain ethnicity. That's like, Harper's is canceled. Yeah, not postponed. <laughs> Harper's they're actually is, canceled. Harper's is actually canceled. It's gross. I didn't know Greg Henson was the major of Harper's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> co-owner. That's weird. Yeah, but one of like the things I think we talked about when we kind of ranked our bars was East Lansing has been in dire need of just a renovation or a revolution of new bars, whether it be new owners or just new establishments. Because, I mean, we have a couple good bars, but compared to other college towns, we're – we're not doing so great in that area. So while this is unfortunate, hopefully some new management can come in. Um, hopefully it's a awakening call to other establishments. Yeah, I think I, you know, I don't think anyone was surprised when Harper's opened the second they could. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rick's and the ribs stayed closed. Like they chose not to open. They said, we're going to stay closed. And like the people at Rick's look like fucking geniuses because they didn't Sticky have, an, they didn't have an outbreak of 200 people, you know, and this is just, I, I don't know how these people who are in ownership right now can continue to own. Harpers. I just, I don't see nope. a way forward for them. Nope. Cause not only will people not go there, but especially because of the COVID thing, now it has like that black mark of if you go there, you're going to get COVID. Now they have racial allegations. It's disgusting. Like this place, like I thought Sticky Ricky's is bad with their sanitation, but this place is like, it's bad. It's like Chernobyl. Yeah. There was, um, there, there are just other like just completely just like appalling stories that I don't want to get into, but I would like to highlight some of like the funnier like come on man ones. Please, yes. You know, here's one, um, an email from a manager. Uh, the people who own Arpers also own PTO Malleys. So apparently I have to rework my entire bar ranking too. Oh my God. I yeah, didn't know that. Just, yeah, bad news on bad news. Um, 
So they said, per the name is blacked out request for cleaning the floors and tables at both Harper's and PT's, please do not use Simple Green anymore. If you see any Simple Green at the, either bars, throw it out. Floors, first coat, use one cup of lemon and lemon or lime juice and warm water. Second coat, use one cup of lemon or lime juice and water with ice. Tables, mix one cup of lemon or lime juice and water in spray bottles. They're cleaning a college bar floor with lemon juice and water. I, I'm not sure that the coronavirus started in Wuhan anymore. It might have just manifested in like Harper's storage room. Well, I'm writing a blog about this for oh. uh, baconwire.com right now. And, you know, my first thought when the COVID outbreak started at Harper's was, well, they're fine. Like COVID's probably like the eighth worst thing you could get at Harper's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly. But this other stuff is just like they were rats. They had like a rat infestation. And instead of like setting traps or calling an exterminator, the cooks like named the rats and fed them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fucking ratatouille. Oh, <laughs> like, no uh, kidding. It's like the Simpsons episode where Homer drives the monorail and that big rat's nest is in the is in like the compartment where the electrical equipment's supposed to be and just goes, I call the big one bitey. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Ugh. As a yeah. Harper's former Stan, this is just devastating. <laughs> my favorite bar are it's RIP. It's canceled. This is like people who grew up in the nineties watching the Cosby show levels, like just bad. He probably would have loved this bar. Yeah, uh, Bill Cosby. Know, not to uh, not to get too serious, but he definitely would have, based on the stories I've seen. Um, you oh. know, <laughs> like I asked, I asked one of my friends who lives in EL, who went to Harper's when they first opened. I was like, "So are they like, are they limiting capacity or doing anything?" And their response was, "Ha ha 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 ha, fuck no." So you know, they kind of brought this on themselves. It was just, it, it just sucks that like, that someone can get a, that someone can just like get away with this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm glad people are speaking out and just talking about how shitty, how shitty it is. This place is, and hopefully there's some positive change that can come out of it. I'm not, I haven't seen any any statements from Harper's or East Lansing City Council or anything like that. So we'll see. What's yeah, that? It's going to fall on the students. It, I mean, that's kind of who it falls on right now until somebody else kind of speaks up and uh, requests or demands that ownership sell or I don't know. It's almost like the Washington football team where they have other nonsense going on. Like, Yeah, I thought about a lot of these. I thought about these stories in tandem a lot. Like, for those of you who don't know, a story in the Washington Post was published on Friday where uh, 15 former staff members of the Washington football team, the Washington TBDs, 
Sentinels is probably going to happen. Sentinels, Red Wolves, Red Tails, whatever they're going to be called in the future, yeah. uh, have accused high-ranking business business officials on the business side of football of sexual misconduct. Those people have since those people were fired like 36 hours before the story came out. And the pervasiveness of the culture in Washington leads many, including myself to, to believe that there's no way that Daniel Snyder had absolutely zero idea what was going on. And if he didn't, then he is, then he has like two brain cells left because there's apps. If you had no idea what is going on in your organization, it's the same argument for MSU, right? If Mm -hmm. Anna Simon had no idea what Nasser was doing, no idea what the people below her were doing in regards to this guy, then she is woefully ignorant at best and she's incompetent at best. Mm -hmm. You know, same with Daniel Snyder. I think people already know that Daniel Snyder is incompetent just based on the football side of the operation, but this behavior from ownership is, is just inexcusable. And it really sucks because you know that Washington isn't the only organization with these issues. They're just the ones who are most vulnerable right now. Yeah. For a bunch of reasons. Right. So, you, yeah. and you know why they just got out in front and did the name change announcement. Yeah. They, they got a leak that, Hey, there's an article coming out in the next week or so. Yep. Dan Snyder. is like, okay, now's probably a good time to change the name. Cause I care so much. He's a joke. Yep. And the other love- thing, the other thing too, the run up to this article did more harm than good because people read the article and were like, Oh, Jay Gruden wasn't sniffing coke off cheerleaders' asses. What the fuck? <laughs> this isn't the story I expected. But right, like, which is, says something. Yeah, which like, you only need you need a NFL head coach to be snorting coke off cheerleaders' asses to read a story of, about a culture of sexual misconduct in a professional football organization. That says a lot more about you than it does about the people in Washington. Absolutely. Like, and yeah, cause you had all these different publications and Twitter accounts hyping this thing up as it's going to be the Watergate of the NFL. And they just blew it way out of proportion that when, when we got it, like all the allegations in that article, they're horrible. It, but if it, I mean, it felt underwhelming just based off of what we were expecting. We were expecting this mega bombshell which it was, but it was hyped up to some level that it could never reach unless everything that people were tweeting was true. Yeah. And it just, you know, I hope, I don't know what I can, you know, Snyder's the best case scenario here is Snyder sells the team, but Mm -hmm. even if Snyder sells the team, he's going to make $2 billion. So he, let an organization rot from the inside out for decades <laughs> and he's going to get rewarded with $2 billion Yep. from Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos is going to give him $2 billion for it. You know, isn't that, doesn't he own 
The Washington Post? Yes. Okay. And he owns a couple of uh, radio and media organizations that are around the Redskins, too. Like, he can control the narrative with with a lot of the stuff going on around them, too, once it gets to the NFL season. Right, because I think – I don't know if it was last season, but, I mean, Bezos was seen with Roger Goodell. Um, There were rumblings that he wanted to buy the Redskins. So, I'm not trying to come up with some type of conspiracy theory here, but it would make sense why the Washington Post would – go in depth and do this article. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder if Bezos will get approved as a buyer because like the other owners have to approve a sale. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what Bezos, what Bezos has to do to, to like build these bridges with these other owners. Cause a lot of these owners are like tied to industries that Bezos is actively trying to disrupt. Mm-hmm. Right. Like a lot of these owners are like real tight with uh, Les Moonves, the head of CV CBS and you know, the, the rights deal for the TV rights package for the NFL comes up and I think at the end of next year. Oh, wow. And I don't think there has been a media company who has been hurt more by this pandemic than CBS to the point where they might not be able to bid on, on this TV package, or at least the TV package they currently have. I mean, they have the Sunday afternoon AFC slate. That's like the, that's probably the best package in in professional sports. If we're being honest. Absolutely. And they have the best broadcast I mean, the cameras are more crisp than Fox and ESPN and whatever else. So they put together a great, great uh, presentation. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if Bezos does buy the Washington whatevers, whatever they're going to be called. They, if it is the Sentinels, they should just literally steal all the branding and um, colors from the replacements. Yeah. Because that was the team name. That would be dope. They're gonna leave. They're gonna leave it the same colors. I think they're yeah. gonna go with. I think they're gonna go with Red Wolves, and I think they're gonna announce the team, the new team name, and the announcement of the sale of the team on the same day. Oh wow! I just I don't see I don't see a scenario where the other thirty one owners can allow Daniel Snyder to to be a member of that, of that club. He already, he's already on the outside looking in, in, in ownership meetings in those circles. You know, there are stories from owners meetings every year where Mm -hmm. Snyder is laughed out of the room or (laughs) Snyder is ostracized by, by Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones and the other owners with a lot of clout. Martha Ford. Yeah. And just yeah. Martha Ford (laughs) in decision-making so it'll be interesting to see going forward, you know, what, what changes come if there are other, you know, I don't want to talk about like, like women's trauma as like dominoes to fall, but you know, I, this can't be the only, this can't be the only organization in all of football where this is happening. It just, it's a statistical, it's a statistical improbability. And there was a really, there was a really like 
gut-wrenching piece in The Athletic that talk about from uh, written from the perspective of a few female writers. And, you know, they talk about the, the treatment they receive when they try to, you know, get sources. You know, one of them, I forget her name, but she, she writes for The Athletic. She was the main author on the piece. She talked about giving a GM her phone number, right, to, like, have a source. And she's like, how do I give this guy my phone number without making it look like I'm flirting with him? Right. Yeah. And, like, that's something that, like, a guy – Kevin Clark was talking about it on the NFL – the Ringer NFL show. And he's like, that's something I never had to consider when, handi- when giving my phone number out to a GM for, for information. And it's just so, it's so frustrating that like, that women have to, have to think about that shit still. And that men can only relate to women's struggles as they know a woman, as they know a woman, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, like as the son of a mother or as the daughter or as the father of a daughter, right? Like, how about just a fucking human being? Like as a human being, this person getting treated like shit upsets me. As a person, I don't like being treated like shit. So I don't like when other human beings are treated like shit. Yeah. Should be a simple concept. Right. I mean, fuck. It's taught in preschool. <laughs> and it's the same kids in preschool who are being dicks to all the other kids that grow up and continue to be dicks especially when they have billions of dollars behind them. I think about this too. Like I think about, right. When people say people said to kids, right. Is like, if someone is mean to you, that means they like you. And it's like, no, they're mean to you because they don't like you. (laughs) Like there's no, like you like that's the kind of shit that enables this kind of culture, right? It's like if someone is telling you no and telling you to fuck off, it's not that they're telling you to fuck off. It's that that they're legitimately interested in you. You just have to keep going. And it's the kind of shit that perpetuates this. It's the kind of stuff that perpetuates this, mm-hmm. right? If someone tells you to fuck off, you should fuck off. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, if you get ripped on a bunch at school or something and they go, you know, I'm just kidding, right? I'm like, you know, that can definitely throw people off too. Or, you know, that that can fall in line with that type of thinking. Yeah, so it's just, it just, it's not a lot of fun news to talk about this week, fellas. No, not really. I mean, other than, I mean, like you mentioned, we have, baseball coming back tomorrow we'll see how long that lasts or how long that keeps us entertained i mean i i joke with my friends it's going to keep me entertained until the first nba tip-off yeah and it's i'm done with baseball yeah there are actually exhibition games going on right now mm-hmm. yeah it was i was watching a little bit of the clippers magic game and you know what it wasn't that strange not having a crowd i mean other than hearing the shoes squeak all the time like it just felt like watching an olympics game yeah, so it's, it wasn't, really it's, wasn't that weird. Yeah, it's kind of – it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, like, once the games start to matter. You know, I think I think people have brought this up, too. Like, 
for like this first like stretch of like 15, 20 games, like it'll be fine. But like once we start getting into like the conference finals and like the NBA finals, like what's that going to feel like? Right. Yeah, a lot's going to fall on the TV, the TV uh, providers and ESPN and the different networks to kind of enhance the, the viewer experience. If they try to continue to just have the single camera angle, um, the, the usual that we see when there's a huge crowd, I don't think it's going to work. So, I mean, I'm excited to see kind of how they try to evolve. Um, hopefully put us into the future of broadcasting because there, there's been talk for years of how everybody just wants to watch a game from home. So let's see kind of what that would look like if uh, the future is most people just watching from home. Yeah. You know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. So it'll be, mm-hmm. it'll be cool to see now that they have, they're playing in a smaller arena. They're playing with no fans. They're not going to be impeded by, by people. It'll be cool to see what they try to do. Maybe they try to do a sky cam type thing and they try to introduce like a real life 2k camera angle. I think that'd be pretty cool. You know, it'll be interesting to see how, how, how the, how the ESPN and Turner and these providers present this this product and yeah I'm, I'm watching it right now it's it's an interesting setup like all the press are you know in their own plexiglass bubble and then the teams are on the opposite sides I mean obviously not watching with sound but it seems pretty I, I think the NBA is going to make it through I really do yeah, yeah. I, I think team, I think leagues who are doing a bubble concept are going to be a lot more successful than than teams who are just trying to than leagues who are just trying to progress through a season as normal with modifications. Roger Goodell. Yeah, oh. the NFL. I don't know. I, I don't know what the I don't know what the fuck the NFL is going to do. Um, they are not positives. They, no, they're not. It'll be. I believe when the NBA first first went into the bubble, their positive rate was 7% around, right? And that was only players. And there are like – there are maybe – I think there were like 100-ish players in the bubble because there's like 25 teams. There's more than that, like 300 players in the bubble. Yeah, about 300. Yeah, we're talking – in the NFL, we're talking 2,000 people. Mm-hmm. So if that percent holds, we're looking at we're looking at like four. We're looking at three, four hundred positive cases, and there's no bubble to contain to contain that. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're going to be going home to their families and to their kids. We're probably going to be going to school in person and around people who are who are going to these public who are in these public spaces. And I just, I don't see a scenario where unless, unless someone pulls a vaccine out of their ass and shoots up the entire and gives it to the NFL first, mm-hmm. I don't see a way how the NFL season is, if not canceled, then drastically altered by COVID. Yeah, I just that- don't. Yeah. yeah, and that's a good point because, I mean, we did receive 
good news about a vaccine on Monday from Oxford, who's going to have it produced by AstraZeneca and uh, over in Europe and mm -hmm. the United States, they've secured whatever that means, a hundred million doses basically off the bat. And it'll be interesting because they, Oxford is pretty confident that that vaccine is going to be approved and ready to go in September. So when that gets sent or, I mean, but that, that therein lies the problem. If we get a hundred million vaccines, who does that go to? How do they get them? Because they're going to be at the government's disposal. So, I mean, does the NFL come in and, I, you know, I don't know. Because, I mean, they move the economy. I, who, I don't know. Hmm. That's going to be really intriguing to see how this all pans out. And, like, you know, say September 15th, the vaccine's available. And, you know, what if they distribute some to these to our cities? Like how create like every pharmacy, every doctor's office that has this thing is going to need twenty four seven security. It's it's going to get bad, and if there's really just a hundred million off the bat, which should be fine, but you know how people overreact to everything. Well, the other thing too is I've been talking with my friends about it too, and you know even a couple of my friends who work in healthcare, who are frontline healthcare workers, they're very skeptical about this vaccine you know they just think it's too quick but my counter to that is like yeah normally vaccine production takes like two years Maybe but like every single person in the medical community who does vaccine research and production they have been singularly focused on this vaccine every single person every single doctor who works in <coughs> epidemiology and is in the and is in the vaccine production sector of of healthcare and medicine this is all they have been doing all year mm -hmm. yeah so it doesn't surprise me that this is out quicker than like a regular than like a regular vaccine for like SARS yeah. you know because yeah. this is this thing is literally shut down the entire world so like when they're so i don't so when people are like it's coming out too quick like what do you Kinda mean too, to. what do you mean like what do you mean too quick the entire world has been working on this the it, it has since december world since december they've had the mapping for it and plus it's not like coronavirus is this new thing there are different coronavirus strains and they have different vaccines and uh shots for these mm -hmm. just for this specific dna of covid19 they've just had to figure this one out so that's why things have moved so quickly plus like uh sd said they have the every single expert in the world they're all working together on this thing it's almost like the movie contagion that's what it reminds me of but i'm I, ready to I stand in line like black friday it, it's yeah. pretty good yeah, I, I'll, I, I have no qualms about. I have no qualms about getting a vaccine. About getting a no. vaccine. It's, no. It's, you know, it. I don't. It's just a flu anyway. So just get a flu vaccine. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That should that should carry me over. Yeah, it's just it's just a cold, shirty. <laughs> You'll be out of work for between three and nine days. Cut me up. There, yep, there it is. It costs between ten and forty-four dollars. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, Your local CVS is going to have 94 doses, shardy. <laughs> Surprised the government didn't cover this one up, shardy. You know, I think I think the best thing that uh, us, like it, that us as the Illuminati of MSU Twitter has done is take back shardy. <laughs> We've been ha- I've been having we, so much fun. We just fun. flat back and like just grabbed it like uh, Coach Klein grabbed the playbook from or Coach Red grabbed the playbook from Coach Klein and Waterboy. We literally just said, we're taking this. Yeah, it's, it's ours so now. I, I love saying it. <laughs> it's so cool. And, like, the, the three and nine and 94 jokes, like, they just, like, I could see why Michigan fans use them so much. They truly never get old. Well, the three and nine joke is a little perplexing because they went three and nine not too long before, MS, before Mark Antonio did. And – their response to that is stop, stop living in the past. Yeah, Dardy. Well, those don't those those seasons don't count because they had Rich Rod. <laughs> yeah, they have Rich Rod and Brady Hoke years they don't count. Brady Hoke's first season counts for the BCS win. Yep. But other than that, that's it. No, they don't count. Nope. A and side note: uh, I'm, I have the NBA game on, and holy shit, Jokic looks so much different. Is he chonk or is he fit? He's fit. he's thinner. He lost like. What, 30, 40 pounds? At least. He looks good. I mean, their lineup today was hilarious because they had Jokic listed as the starting point guard. <laughs> and then they had Bull Bull, who's like 7'3", listed as the small forward. Oh, that's right. He is on there. Yeah. I wanted the Pistons <laughs> to t- – I see, what I wanted the Pistons to do, I love the Sekou pick. But with the next two picks, I wanted to go Bull Bull and then Taco Fall. Oh, you my just, God. You just – put out just just massive humans just wingspan for days yeah you, no one's getting in the paint well you can get every rebound tom Izzo would approve of that front court <laughs> i can't i still can't get over how duke escaped that ucf team like taco fall could do anything he wanted to in the paint like he made zion look a little less zion <laughs> And I'm just I, – I still can't believe they escaped that game more than the Virginia Tech one. Oh, that, like, that broke my heart. Aubrey Dawkins was just fucking destroying them. And he misses that shot at the end, and it's like, fuck, man. That I I felt like part of me died when Aubrey Dawkins missed that, like, tapping. That Wasn't like, it like oh, a layup? Wasn't it like a yeah, layup? Yeah, it was. It was like but you know what? Like... It's all good because – We did it. We did. We beat Duke we anyway, so it's We cool. took care of it. And it's we beat them again in a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And we're going to beat them again on uh, this upcoming Tuesday. I think they're um, in the, the final 12 or whatever. You know what's funny is my phone, when I say typical, the automatically the next word is shardy. <laughs> 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 <It's so much. laughs> I just had to put that out there since we got to shardy. <laughs> uh, you guys want to talk about how Bacon Warrior hit on another – on another recruiting decision? Yes, please. Yeah, you guys go ahead because I kind of missed it. I wasn't really around. So, uh, four star, five star point guard, uh, Matthew Cleveland, uh, had Michigan in his final group. Uh, all indications was Michigan, they were, Michigan was trending to get him. We put our ears to the ground and felt rumblings of Florida State. We were confident enough to tweet it and post a story written by our very own 
Maginaw Mitch. And lo and behold, Tipton edits. Matthew Cleveland commits to Florida State. So um, SpongeBob, he don't miss dot gif. <laughs> yeah, another another great recruiting job by the Michigan head coach, Juwan Howard, who just – his strategy of recruits – I just have to talk about this real quick. All yeah. he does is he seemingly comes in at the last minute, he'll offer a five-star and just hope it sticks. Like, you have to build these long – relationships with these players with the coaches with the families and that's how you have a shot at these guys you can't just come and say i'm Jawan howard come to my school like yeah i was the first i was the first nba player to have a hundred million dollar contract come play like yeah yep the the only coach you could get away with that is coach k in my opinion if he came up to me and said if, if msu weren't you know wanting me i would and he said come play for duke and like show me his what five championship rings just that conversation, I'd probably say, okay, you know, I'll probably come play for you. But, like, right. Juwan, it's – I think he'll be a fine coach, but I just do not get the fixation with how they finish the season. I mean, if you're talking midseason when they were number four and looking yeah. better than MSU, sure, I get it. But, like, I think we got to wait another year because we need to see how he does with these recruits and see if he can actually – coach and not just his really good staff that that's I hope he's not like a figurehead like kind of Herm Edwards is for ASU and if Michigan fans hear this I mean I'm not trying to be a I'm not trying to be a dick I'm just trying to be like you know we don't we don't know how good of a coach Jawan can be you know they can throw the whole oh we beat you by nine points Shardy in the last game we blew you out by nine points and I guarantee if we played Michigan in the Big Ten tournament they get Blown the fuck out. Yeah, it would have been twenty, 20 plus. piece easily. Yeah, because good old Devo, good old Horn Boy was before he <laughs> shut the window on me. He was like, <laughs> "Man, it's a shame that we couldn't play you guys again. Would be good for our seeding." I'm like, "What makes you think you're gonna win again?" He goes, "Well, we beat you the last time. Like, look at how MSU finished the season, being forced, you know, three out of four ranked opponents. It wasn't gonna go your way, Chief." And then he blo- and he blocked me like <laughs> right away. Shut the window. Yeah. Well, he unblocked a bunch of people. Tweeted out his horn video and just shut the window again. Yeah, um, I, I mean, who knows if we even get college basketball? I mean, it's, it's definitely going to be a probably like Graham Couch has been saying a twenty game schedule. Yeah, probably starting in like what January, 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 early yeah. February, something like that. I think yeah, that's I, doable. I I would expect. You know, I've been saying this for a while, but. I would expect some group of five or power five teams to start to start canceling their fall sports schedule here soon. Um, Our friend Matt Brown retweeted an interesting concept where, you know, I wanted to run it by you guys before we got in, got into the hangover with Kevin Wingington. Um, there was a proposal from a sports business journalist where he was like, you know, all these spring leagues that have tried and failed to gain traction in, in the past few years, you know, the AAF, the the new XFL. What if the group of five 
just played in the spring. Hey, I like the power I five, the power five stays, stays to their fall schedule. They do their thing. Hmm. And then I like it. The, the group of five just starts the Saturday after the Super Bowl. And they, I'd watch some, I'd watch some action. I mean, I watch Maxion anyways, so yeah, you know, you're you're preaching to the choir here. I think it's a win-win for everybody, just because mm-hmm. they get overshadowed by the Power Five. Oh, so I mean, if, you, if they could have, yeah, and I mean that's going to be huge for recruiting for them, uh, TV, and just general exposure. Because I mean, I love college football, but if there's, if you have to pick between a Power Five and Group of Five, I mean, everyone knows who you're going to pick. But yeah, I think. I think that'd be an interesting idea. I I love that all these, I mean, it's unfortunate why it had to happen, but ultimately I'm excited that a lot of these leagues are going to be shifting their schedule just because I am, I'm so tired of only having baseball in the summer. So just the thought of potentially the NBA going into like early August and getting us to NFL training camp, that's super exciting. And if you add in college football helping along the way, that's, that's always a bonus. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the what they do, how they handle bowls, you know, what what that looks like. I don't know if they're trying to just kick the can down the road until until they're like forced to make a decision or if they want to be proactive and go, "Okay, here's what we can do. Here's how we can plan this out. Here's how we can still have bowls." And based on the timeline, you know, we'll be able – there will be a vaccine. You know, maybe you play the first three weeks without fans, and then maybe you go 50% capacity. And then if the numbers hold, or then you can start going full – then you can start going full send again. You know, yeah. I, I just don't – I don't – I understand the potential drawbacks of playing in spring, right? There, you know, if I'm Trevor Lawrence and we're going to a spring season, I'm telling Dabo to get fucked. <laughs> you know, same with Justin Fields. You know, I'm. Yeah. You know, it, if I was Trevor Lawrence, I'd probably tell Dabo to get fucked anyway. Honestly, oh, I, when Dabo is gonna get exposed and canceled in the next like four years, oh, that's gonna be so much fun. That guy is such a fraud. Yeah. Okay. I just okay, Sam. I'm all in on that. <laughs> with with Kevin, I know we might talk a little bit MSU. Maybe we could ask him about the point system that Mel Tucker has too, the one that I found. Oh yeah. Just to get a little sneak peek at the other content coming in this way in this pod for the folks out there. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh so let's bring on Kevin Wington. Uh he's a member of the twenty twenty one recruiting class. You know, uh We've talked to him previously and, you know, it was a real fun interview. We had a really good time with him, and, you know, we asked him if we wanted to come on and talk about stuff and he wanted to talk the hangover. So let's talk about the hangover. All right. We know I'll come on a member of the 2021 MSU recruiting class, Kevin Wingington. Kevin, uh, how are you? How's your summer going? It's going well. Thank you for having me on. No problem. Uh, you, we asked you, you know, what you wanted to talk about and you wanted to talk about the hangover and, uh, you know, what you said it was your favorite movie. So, uh, give us a little insight, you know, what do you love about, about this movie? Yeah, I'd say by far my favorite character was, uh, Alan. (laughs) 
you know, he was, he's just a complete character. And then, uh, you know, just, I really loved part one, part two, and three. I loved all of them. Usually most movies have like a serious drop off, but, um, yeah, I really loved it. That was, I think that was like the first movie I could remember that like I really loved and watched like 10 times just and never got tired of it. Yeah, I remember, I remember the movie came out and my parents took me and my friends and oh my, my friend's little brother go see it. I was, oh wait, I was 12. <laughs> and, my friend's, and my friend's brother came along and he was like 10. And my brother was eight, and we <laughs> was taking this parade of kids into the hangover. And I don't remember, I seriously don't remember laughing so hard in a movie theater. Like it was, the movie theater experience was so electric. Everything, like uproarious laughter, like missing lines because people were laughing so hard. Yeah, I still laugh just as hard as today mm -hmm. as I did the first episode. You know, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was 22 when it came out, so I date you guys a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm the I'm the senior member here. Uh, yeah, that that was the hardest. I laughed at a comedy in a theater, and man, probably 15, 10, 15 years. It was. It still holds up. Like I like I watched it a couple days ago, the first and second one, and oh my god, I like you guys said, I laughed so hard. It's just like rewatching it. It's like watching it for the first time. You, you still laugh, even though you know the joke's coming. It's still so funny and still so well executed that you're go that you don't think you're gonna laugh, but like all of a sudden you just <laughs> you just start cracking up. Yeah, and I feel like yeah. I pick up pick up new parts like to laugh at it each time I watch it too. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the best part about comedies from like the two thousands is like each time you sit down and you rewatch it. Like you pick up a new joke. Like yeah. I've seen Anchorman probably like 60 times. <laughs> and like now, like I'm at the point where like, I just recognize like body language and I just like start laughing at body language just because like, it's just something that I haven't recognized before. That's a good one too. I, yeah. I love this movie. So the casting for this movie is damn near perfect mm -hmm. uh but we thought it would be a fun exercise if we could go through and try to recast uh some of the guys with a little bit more of a modern twist see see who we can see who we can replace mm. so yeah. um if you guys have lists bust them out right now uh, we're gonna start with uh, you, Kevin. You know, who do you want? Who have you? Who have you? Who have you recasted? I would say Alan. Okay. Okay. Who do you want to play Alan? Oof. Man, I don't even know. You got to come back to me on that one. Yeah, let me think about that one for a second. All right. I have I have an idea for Phil. Okay. And, and hear me out. Uh, Chase Stokes. For mm -hmm. those, Lucas just made a face. Like so what? I'm gonna have to okay boomer okay, you. Real okay quick. boomer. Yeah, uh, Chase Stokes is okay. Yep. Is the star of the Netflix show Outer Banks. Oh, John B. You know, I think he, I think he kind of mm. has that smarmy douchebag level that he doesn't get to, that he doesn't get to bust out very often, and I think he'd be, you know, he's like this 
he's like this douchebag pretty boy. I think he'd be perfect for I think he'd be perfect for Phil. Mm. That's a good one. See, the first one I thought of was Phil, who's played by Bradley Cooper. I would flip him over to Michael B. Jordan. Both like good looking, good looking people, just great actors, and I don't know, I just that seemed like a fit for me. Mm. That's a good one. Hmm. I've got a list. I don't know who I want to throw out there first. Go for it. But I thought about Ed Helms as Stu and like, it's a good, he's such, he's so good in it. Like it's pretty much like a little bit of Annie Bernard sprinkled into it too. I think just based off what I've watched with community, I would make Stu played by Donald Glover. That's a see. That's I had him. Oh, I had that one too. A little more, like from I haven't finished the whole thing, but like he's a little more held back and like reserved, and you know, complete opposite from you know other things that we've seen him in, like his childish Gambino persona. And I I think he's just that good to where he could do Stu, and it could be really damn funny. That's that's interesting. Donald Glover is Stu. Yeah, my my list is pretty straightforward i've got another little twist but like for jade i mean i know it's not like that important but i just kind of thought about it for a different person to play her but i'll get to that later uh, i don't know what else you guys have I, I have i have the main four and leslie chow and jade yeah i i just i just did the main four okay um so for for Stu, um i also went with someone from community actually but I didn't go with Donald Glover. I, I think I know who you went with. I'm going with Danny Pudi. Um, yep. I think, <laughs> you know, because so you got to have someone who's kind of a cuck. <laughs> you know, who can kind of play the cuck. And I think Donald Glover can kind of do like the, I lost my two stuff pretty well. But you, I, I don't buy him as someone who's going to stick around with this like absolute bitch of a woman. You know, I, Danny Pudi is someone you can kind of, I can kind of see in there. It's like, who can do the, who can hmm. do like the, who can do like the digit. I remembered my Rogaine kind of stuff, you know. Rogaine check. (laughs) Of the Rogaine check. Like, I just threw this list together like 20 minutes before we started. So I didn't really like, I remembered it earlier in the day when I was working and then, I came home and I sat down for like an hour. I'm like, oh shit, was I supposed to do something towards the top? <laughs> got it back. Okay. All right, I got mine. So um, I'm kind of starting watching Trailer Park Boys now. Okay. You guys know that? And I thought of <laughs> Rob Wells. You know who that is? He's the. He's yeah. The yeah. So yeah. I him for Andy. Or no, not for Andy. <laughs> uh, my bad. The short guy, I forgot his name real quick. Oh, Alan? Alan, yeah, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. I yeah. can I can see that. That's definitely that's definitely a different take on on Alan. But I yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. My Alan uh if you uh I just started watching a show that he's on and He's just such an awkward person that I think he could pull off an, an, a modern-day Alan. I'm trying to go younger, 
and I'm trying I'm looking at you, Spartan Dog. Wait, did you I just started watching the show. You cast off of your you recommendation. Cast, you cast Lil Dicky as Alan? Yeah. <laughs> I think he could do it. it. It'd be written differently, but I could definitely see Lil Dicky as like a really awkward just like not know what to say type of character because that's kind of what he is in Dave to a much smaller extent. But that just instantly I just went right to him because I had the hardest time with Alan. And then I thought about that show and how good he is in it. And yeah, that, that was my hardest pick, but I still think it could, I still think little Dickie would be a funny pick would be a funny pick for Alan. That's, that's it. That's Wow. You were you were in your bag with that one. Wow. I didn't even consider Little Dicky. Wow! 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 <laughs> Alan Alan was probably the hardest person to recast because yeah. he's so tied. They're so tied. Him, the character of Alan and Zach Galifianakis are so tied. You know, it'd be like it's like asking me to recast Happy Gilmore. You know, like <laughs> you can't. No, that's. But Lil Dick, that's that's definitely that's that's the way I think to do Alan going forward is like you is like you make him this you make him this like stupid idiot. You know, you don't make him <laughs> like Zal Galifianakis made him. No. Maybe you play up a little bit of like the overconfidence. That's that's interesting. Kevin, do you have do you have someone you want to re- do you have do you have a do you want to go on? The, do you want to go next on your list? Um. Yeah. Yeah. So, I did a uh, Phil next. Okay. Now I don't know if you guys could, if you guys know who this is, David Carr. David Carr, the first person football I player. Think, yeah, the quarterback. Yeah, football player. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So yeah, you got a oh. list. Yeah, but um, I actually kind of met him a couple times. Real funny guy. But uh, yeah, he played for the Giants for a while. But um, yeah, I remember. I remember him. Yeah, but he was uh, number one draft pick for the Texans. He was their first overall, first ever, first ever draft pick. Yep. Whoa, he's got a Super Bowl championship. That's right. Yeah, he won it with the Giants. Yeah, with the yeah, he was the backup. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's. Hmm, that's a. That's a way out there pick. Like Yeah, that's 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 awesome. I, I didn't even that guy didn't even wow, I didn't even know he acted, but that's it's way out there. Left field. I like that one. Yeah. Hmm. So for Alan, for me, you know, like I said, I don't think I don't think I would ask anybody to play Alan the same way that Galifianakis played him. Mm, and absolutely. as I was thinking about who, you know, as I was thinking about what I would want Alan to be, I kept coming back to um, this guy, uh, Matt Barry. Um, Matt Barry, he's ESPN? Uh, no, not the not the <laughs> not the ESPN fantasy not guy, Mr. Roto, <laughs> not Mr. Roto. He's so funny. He is. <laughs> He's a British comedian. He's on What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, he plays Laszlo. But he just kind of he just kind of plays this like this buffoon, this smart buffoon really well. And I think he'd be a real good fit for 
for Allen. Hmm. Yeah, because you you cannot do a hangover reboot and make it the exact same Allen. Like it's got to be the main showcase again, but it's got to be totally different or at least different enough to where people just don't think it's a rehash of what what 2009 gave us. Right. Allen, yeah. I think Matt Berry would make an excellent Allen. Hmm. Just for, and it'd be different for sure. Yeah. Funny, they almost look alike too with the hair. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They do. They do. That's kind of where that's they're they're alike in appearance too. So that could kind of fit, but it would definitely be a it would definitely be a different kind of a different kind of Allen. Sure. (laughs) Brett, do you have anybody you want to recast? Yeah. So I got a couple here. For Alan, I thought Chris Pratt, just based off kind of like Parks and Rec, he can play that goofy oh. role. So he kind of feels <laughs> yes. like a moron in there. Um, and then I also had one to kind of switch up Mike Tyson. So I was debating this one between Charles Barkley, but I finally settled on <laughs> I, I settled on Dennis Rodman for that one. Oh, <laughs> that's incredible. I can imagine just Rodman knocking out. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And Dennis Rodman would have a lion with him or a big tiger. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's great. That's a good. One. I didn't even I didn't even think about recasting Tyson. That that's incredible. Oof. Man. So the only guy I have left is Doug, and Doug is hard because he's not in the movie that much. And he just kind of needs to be there. Yeah. So, off the top of my head, I think I would actually go with Michael B. Jordan for Doug. Okay. Just because he, he's, he's only there for short spurts. You know, I'm a movie nerd, so I'm thinking about the business of movies, right? Michael B. Jordan's going to demand the paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, you you can only have them for like eight days if you're gonna do this movie. <laughs> so just keep them in a limited capacity. And I think and I think it would be funny. I don't know how this when they find him, how that's gonna you know, I think he'd be I think he'd be funny, like him just him just like freaking out about being left on a roof for forty eight hours. I think Michael B. Jordan would make a great dog. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I've never really seen him do comedy, so it'd be something a little new for him, right? Yeah, something different. Yeah, yeah. He's been in a couple like rom coms, I think. I think he was in that awkward moment. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I don't watch that shit so. with Afron and Miles Teller. I think that I think he was in that. <laughs> yeah, that classic. Who could forget? <laughs> so. For my fill, like I, I, like I said, I just threw this together like a half hour before we started, and I just think he's been funny in the small stuff that we've seen him be a comedic actor in. We know him, obviously, in a way bigger, um, certain a way way bigger way. Um, my fill, I think Phil is going to be like your leading guy. I put Chris Hemsworth. I think okay, yeah. really funny. I'd like that. I, I would love to see him with like a Todd Phillips movie or like, or, you know, like a really talented com- comedic writer 
and director. I, I think that would be not like laugh out loud funny like every time he comes on the screen. But he also has to be your straight man because that's what Chris Hemsworth can do too. Yeah, that's I, – I love that choice actually. That's actually – actually something that's actually and a great choice that's a really good one for doug i put oh i was kind of torn but i originally had andy andy sandberg because he looks kind of like justin bartha but you're kind of wasting Andy sandberg but like maybe you could expand on his role a little bit with a reboot so that way it's literally you know not just rehashing the the old movie um I was thinking him or like Pete Holmes could be Doug because Pete Holmes is funny, but like he's not as known and you know, he could, he could be funny like in a, in a smaller role. Cause like I watched crashing and I thought he was pretty decent on it. So I just kind of thought about him. I think the benefit of having Sandberg as Doug is that you can visit him on the roof. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Because when, if you're redoing this movie, we already know where Doug is, right? right? So you can you can have scenes of just Andy Samberg freaking out on the roof, and that's be something he'd be really good at. Yeah, I was torn between the two, but we'll just call it we'll just call it one or the other. Maybe Samberg. We'll just pivot to Samberg. I like it. I got one more for Phil. One of my another one of my favorite shows, um, The Office. Oh, so I've seen so, the office. I've seen the office twenty times. I bet I know who it is. Yeah, so I was thinking if you do Jim or John Krasinski, ooh, and that's you, really good. Yeah, and you put him as Phil, you'd be, it'd be recasted a little, and I think it'd make it just a little more funny too. Yeah, you know, and I th- I think that'd be real good. I like I'm that. that. Yeah, because John Krasinski is doing this thing where he's like this like uber patriotic like american action guy now and i, I think it's it'd be different it's crazy yeah it'd be cool for him yeah I, it'd be cool for him to play like a douchebag that's like like stealing from his students to go to vegas <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, like, that was that was one part of it or like the first couple of times i watched it i didn't really catch that but like now that I see that, I find that hilarious. How he's just taking the cash right out. It's hilarious. I, it's not little cash. It's like a couple hundred bucks per student. Yeah, right. It's just a field trip or whatever. I had a I I had an English teacher in high school who who didn't do that, but I could definitely see do that. Like there were days where he would come in like visibly hungover. <laughs> it would be like, all right, we're just gonna watch Inception. <laughs> we yeah. spent the day watching Inception. My kind of teacher. <laughs> um, for for Leslie Chow, I thought of, you know, I, I was just gonna be funny and say Ken Jung again because he's just so good <laughs> in it. But I was thinking Ali Wong would be pretty good. Oh, that'd be good. Ali Wong, Ali Wong, Ali Wong, so funny. She's so funny. She's just quick-witted, much like Ken Jung was, is, and I think it'd be a great, I think it'd be a great little twist, not twist, you know, because the name Leslie Chow, it pretty much, you can put whoever you want there, and I definitely thought of Ali Wong right away. See, I had a, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
I was gonna say, like, as the series went on, like Hangover Part Two and Three, he had like a more important role in each one. Yeah, he was more and more involved. Like he was the center point of Part Three, and like it was just like kind of how toxic he was to Alan, and Alan becoming like his own person. Leslie didn't want that to happen. And it was just so important for Alan to basically just say, hey, screw you. You know, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. And he marries – totally forgot Melissa McCarthy's at the end of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, See, for, for Leslie, I kind of went a different route. I just kind of thought about it. Um, okay. Recently I watched um, – well, what? I can't even think of the name of it. But I went with Robert Downey Jr. for that. Since he's already done, oh. what's the name of the movie where he due date plays? No, not due date. Um, they're like he's in the wild and he plays Tropic like, Thunder. Plays Tropic Thunder, yeah. So he's already done the role where he plays a different race. So I would think it was funny, like if he just like pretended he was like an Asian guy. So that's where I oh kind of wanted that one. Oh, are you trying to get the man's canceled, Brett? Like, <laughs> oh, no, I just canceled. <laughs> he's done a role similar before. He's played a different race. I think oh, it, God. I think it'd be funny, like, this Leslie Chow <laughs> like, guy, and he just, Robert Downey Jr. comes out. That'd be the cart, that if they did the card trunk scene, that would be unbelievable to see just oh. Robert Downey Jr. The Iron, Man's see Iron Man buck-ass naked beating the shit out of, <laughs> beating the shit out of these guys. Like, I know that scene hasn't aged well in our culture right now, but it cracks me up every time when he comes you know, swinging the tire iron, and, and Alan's like, I hate Godzilla. I hate him, too. <laughs> he destroys cities. Like, I like, cried laughing when I watched it last week. I'm like, holy shit. Like, we, there's no way this movie could get made just because of, like, a scene like that. And the whole end when they're looking through the, the camera. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, looking through all the pictures. <laughs> that... That part was great. Like that, when you, it was so, that scene was so incredible. That part was so incredible in the theaters. Cause you just, you were just like relent. You were just like held underwater laughing for like an hour and a half. <laughs> and then you think it's over. It's all wrapped up. And then someone, and then Doug comes up and he goes, Hey, I found, I found the camera in the seat of the Mercedes. And you just go and they start looking and you're like, and they're all like freaking out and you're like, okay, so this must be the end of the movie. And then they start showing the pictures yeah. and oh my God. So good. Them. Oh, uh, who was, who was it that was like knocking out? Uh, was that Steve Wynn or Wayne Newton? I think it was Wayne, Wayne Newton. Newton. Wayne Newton. Yeah. Was it, was it Phil that was knocking out Wayne Newton? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, I think they both had a punch. I think yeah. it was that. Like Wayne punched him and then he, he cold clocked Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that but I think my favorite part of the hangover one is man oh it's it's the tie between when they just get the Corvette or not the Corvette but you know the really nice car and um, Alan's pumping the gas and that old guy comes to look at it and he goes don't touch it don't even look, don't at, even it. look at it <laughs> and you can hear him like yeah, you better walk away. I'll hit an old man in public. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then my second, like the, the top two, is when they're getting the car back out of um the the junkyard. And he's like, I can't lose another person close to me. 
I can't have this happen again. Like I lost my grandpa. Oh, when did he die? World War II. <laughs> not skiing, but he died. <laughs> in skiing in Vermont, but he died during. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I, another like, another part. Comedy that... Another another <laughs> exchange I love is like when uh, when they're getting the car and Stu's freaking out because he gave Jade his like grandmother's Holocaust ring. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was like, I didn't know they gave out rigs at the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the part where they're um where they got arrested and uh, <laughs> the little fat kid uh tases <laughs> and oh, the phone out of his right hand. Before that, right before that, Alan's clapping with the kids after Scoop got tased <laughs> in the neck. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants a shot? And then the kid raises his hand. Yeah. Sometimes these big boys need another Joel. <laughs> and like, oh. I, like another one is like, not at the oh. table, Carlos, where he's like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> there's an incredible behind the scenes story where they cleared it with the, they, they, they went to the parents and they asked if they could do this. And the mom was like, absolutely not. Which, right with the with the baby when uh when Alan's jerking him off when Alan's like making him jerk off at the table they went to the parents and the parents were like absolutely the fuck not and the mom had left she went like she went to go get something and Todd Phillips went up to the dad and he goes so can we do this and the dad was like yeah okay but it has to be before she gets back. <laughs> <laughs> so they so they had to do it under the wire before the baby's bob got <laughs> that's so good and that kid like when he grows up that's going to be the greatest thing to show everybody like i was yeah. the, the baby in the hangover like, i i love it when it's a small like when they get the cop car and when you know when the, the concierge brings them the car and it's a cop car and um alan accidentally slams the door and it hits the baby yeah, he my and he's like i'm like, like my glasses okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many good movies, so many good parts. You know, it'll be interesting to see <sighs> what they do going forward with it. It's, you know, a hangover. A I, yeah, I mean, it was just like all these people at the right time in their careers, like, like Todd Phillips, you know, I don't feel great about Joker, but one thing you can't say about him is the guy just doesn't doesn't believe in himself. I mean, he 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 like directed it for free in exchange for he directed this movie in exchange for equity. Yeah, and he made like two hundred million dollars like off this movie. Mm-hmm. He like did his, that, I think, for the other two too. Yeah, he negotiated that for the other two and. And like just like the stories of like you know Ed Helms had to like fly between L.A. and Vegas to shoot the office and this and and he and he had to get like fake teeth <laughs> so like if you pay attention you can tell the episodes where where uh, where Ed Helms is shooting the Hangover because he slur because he slurs because one he's been like up for like twenty six hours straight. And two, he has these fake, he has to get like fake teeth in mm. his mouth. So you can tell like his speech is just like a little off during those episodes of The Office while he's shooting The Hangover. Wow. 
Uh, it's something you catch on after time watching a bunch. Yeah, and you just like read you just like read everything and obsess over it. Well, and I love Todd Phillips before these movies because like you know I'm I'm 32, Kevin, so they make fun of me. They call me the dad of Bacon Wire and all this stuff. Like it's alarming how much older I am than some of than some of them. And like I remember Road Trip with Tom Green and went back when he was funny, and um, a couple of the other guys and. Old School is a classic. Um, like, I, I love those two comedies. Those are two of my favorite comedies. And when he made Hangover, it was like, wow, this guy's already good. But, like, he just – this is his absolute wheelhouse. I was blown away by this movie. And it was just, like I said earlier, a perfect storm of, like, you know, the comp, the actors all getting it and hitting their notes and hitting their marks and – like the director just in his bag and the writers too. It's a great script. Cause I remember them saying like, it was one of the most sought after scripts like in Hollywood before it got made too. Like people couldn't believe how good of a script it was for a comedy. Cause comedies were kind of in a lull at that point too. So it helped resurrect this, this area of movies. And it has a legacy that I think is going to go on for a very, very long time. Yeah, it's this movie's gonna have an incredible legacy, and it's, you know, as I I can't wait to show my kids. They may not be twelve <laughs> when they see it for the first time, but but like that's gonna be the cool thing is just like is just like seeing like how the these younger kids like you, Kevin, like like you know, like some of some of these kids who are growing up now like go back and find these movies because it's easier than ever now to like mm-hmm. go back and watch older movies. Like I watched Casablanca the other day, just like I would have never, I would have never seen it if it just wasn't on a streaming service. So it's kind of, right. it's kind of cool to watch it going forward. And I'm, I'm predicting by the end of this decade, it's was going to have at least one, mo- one reboot. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, like the a new trilogy started or something. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, before uh, before we let you go, we wanted to ask you a couple uh, MSU questions, um, if you don't mind. Of course, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Coach Tucker um, recently. So, so, go ahead, go Lucas. Ahead. Okay. Um, so I wanted to ask, like, I'm sure you got this, but like, when I don't know how often you talk to Coach Tucker, but like. Um, I heard on another podcast, I'm stealing it from them, but I'm giving John credit from the only colors. Um, there's a, a point system that Mel Tucker has instilled. Like once you get on campus, have you heard about this? I think I have keep going with it. The point system is that related to recruiting. Um, I don't know, but like it, like it's one. Okay. So I'll just go through it real quick. One point. This is this is basically like once like once you hit campus next year, um, so one point if you screw up you get one point added to your you get you get a one point violation you run for the entire practice with the strength coach. Number if you get two <laughs> points, two points it's your entire small position group runs for the entire practice. Three point offense. Entire offense or defense, whichever side you are on, runs for the entire practice. Four points, they didn't get that info, but 
if it's, uh, you know, escalating, I guess the entire team runs, yeah. including special teams. And then five points, your parents lose their season tickets. Oh, Number six <laughs> points, they didn't clarify, but I would guess it's at least a one-game suspension. And then seven points, you're kicked off the team. So I wanted – what are your thoughts on something like that? I mean, I like it from a disciplinary perspective, like accountability, but as a, as a kid, as a guy coming into the system, what do you think about something like that? Yeah, no, it's um, – you're actually saying – I actually talked to Coach Tucker last night. But, um, oh. um, yeah, no, I, I could definitely picture that for sure, that he has that point system. And I definitely don't want – have the, <laughs> the parents losing tickets and I got to pay for everything. Definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and, I, and we do stuff. We don't do point systems, but we have something like that at my school with, like, how you could – your violations, you know, the higher the violation, like, the more serious it is. So we did one thing where um, one kid got in trouble. He had to sit in a chair while everyone else ran. So that was, like, the way to get the whole team mad at you. And then it's just, like, it, it, was, it was good. But, yeah, um, that, that sounds familiar. <laughs> Yeah, but no, Coach Tucker, he has a lot of um, little things like that. Like, I know we have some stuff with recruiting for, like, the commits. So, with you going out recruiting, you get points and stuff like that. But Yeah, yeah kind of building off that, I was watching an Instagram live video with your future teammates, Cam Allen and Ham Fay, and they were talking about how the coaching said they really emphasize it's a team effort to recruit. So, whether it be the coaches, assistant coaches, um, as well as the, the recruits themselves reaching out, are there any recruits that you've kind of been assigned to or – that you're currently working on to get committed? Yeah, so um, I would say I'm, I'm more, like, geared to New Jersey and, uh, and O-Lineman. So um, mm-hmm. Michael Zlinski, uh, that's one of them. And then uh, Gino Vandemark and uh, Audric Esteban. I would say those are my top three. Then I also talk with Ruquan Buckley. Um, okay. O-Lineman. But, uh, yeah, no, I've been, you know, really impressed by, like, the, the efforts they make in recruiting. Even, like, something simple as, like, the graphics are just top-notch. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I've gotten graphics from, like, all, every school you could think of. But they – I think theirs are by far the best. And, um, you know, definitely just the energy with all of them. You know, posting the the, uh, the gifts for commits and just – they all – they like, I had my birthday two days ago. The whole staff was texting me. So, you know, they make a whole team effort for everything, really. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And, like, I mean, as a Michigan State Spartan myself, like, the campus, I, I'm not sure. Have you visited? Had the no, chance? I'm going, okay. I'm going in two weeks. Oh, awesome. Yeah, like, once you get on campus, like, it, it's kind of hard to explain, but, like, there's, like, this atmosphere and this culture that just, like, built in the university, even outside of the football program and basketball program. That's a full, like, family atmosphere. So you get on campus and, like, like, I remember my first visit there. I instantly just, like, I'm like, this is the place. I only applied to one school is Michigan State. So, yeah, it's exciting you're going to be there. Um, if you ever need, like, food spots you need to stop at, let us know. We already told him to go. We already told him he has to go to Crunchy's. He, Crunchy's, oh, crun- is, yeah. Crunchy's is a must. Crunchy's. And Eastside, yeah. Eastside Fish Fry. What about uh, Conrad's? I hear a lot about that. Oh, uh, yes. Con- Conrad's is a uh, Conrad's is an interesting joint. Um, <laughs> so good. It's Conrad's it's good. love Conrad's. Yeah, Conrad's is Conrad's is Conrad's is unique. I'll, <laughs> I'll say that it's it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite spot is Chipotle, and they have one on campus, so that's gonna be you know, yeah, gonna be, right, yeah, Chipotle right on Grand River. Is, I've been there. I've been there quite a lot. 
Yeah. Great location. No, that, that's exciting. So are you coming up, uh, I guess, over with your family? Yeah, coming with my parents, uh, flying into Detroit, and then just staying uh, somewhere close to campus, and then just, you know, drive around campus, really drive around East Lansing, more importantly, so just to see the vibe around there. Oh, it, you, it's top notch. Like, I mean, I'm biased, but I'll, like, I love, I go, like, I live probably about an hour away, and I'm, when I'm not in school, like, I'm always driving up there, just spending the day there. I was up there Monday. It just, you can't be, I was trying to see a little bit of practice. I heard, heard some pads and whatnot, but no, it, it, it's fun. Yeah, and everyone I've talked to has loved it. You know, you know, commits, you know, alumni, coaches, you know, every, everyone's always said great things about Michigan State. Yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those places where it, it's this incredibly just like massive university. <laughs> but once you like... City. Yeah. Once you step inside, you just you're you just know it's where you're supposed to be. It's crazy. Yeah, I was able yeah. to tell from a Zoom and FaceTime visits uh, tours of the school. Hmm. That, that was a cool part. They were uh, Coach Cap was driving around showing me stuff. <laughs> that was my way of driving around before I visited. Committed. Just just wait till you come here, man. Yeah, we, we can't we can't wait to have you we can't wait to have you on campus. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, yeah, always a pleasure you. to talk to you. Uh, you know, it. if you, you don't be you know, we're, we want to have you back on soon. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, guys, uh, we'll uh, we'll talk next week. Sure. All right. Go green. Go white. Go white. What do we do now? We wait. What do tigers dream of when they take a little tiger snooze? Do they dream of mauling zebras or Halle Berry in her catwoman suit? Don't you striped head we're gonna get you back to tyson and your cozy tiger bed and then we're gonna find our best friend doug and then we're gonna give him a best friend hug